this week's podcast featuring Jesse Brewster. Jesse is a Roots Music Renaissance man, singer, songwriter, producer, and multi-instrumentalist. And he lives just outside of San Francisco. We had a great conversation. Really enjoyed this one. Uh, he's a great guy. And uh, he's got a brand new album coming out at the beginning of March. So make sure you check that out. He's available at jessebrewster.com. Also, don't forget about our sponsors, Music City Canada, based out of London, Ontario. Great spot to get your music supplies, and they'll ship right to you. Uh, great guys that run that uh, particular store, so make sure you check them out, musiccitycanada.com. Also, Morning Buzz Coffee at morningbuzzcoffee.buzz. Fantastic coffee. They also ship to you and uh, owned by musicians, so make sure you support them. Also, Stickman Clothing Company, based out of Regina, Saskatchewan. They have awesome clothing wear. And uh, you can see them at stickmanclothingcompany.com. For more information on this podcast, make sure you check out all the links available at getmypodcast.com. And make sure you subscribe if you're listening to iTunes or Spotify, any of those places. We love to have you follow along. All right, this is Jesse Brewster. <laughs> Okay, we are here with Jesse Brewster, sitting in lovely Northern California, just outside of San Francisco, spitting distance from the uh, Golden Gate Bridge. Nice to have you here. Thanks so much, Darren. Appreciate it. Is it still, uh, when you cross over the bridge, is it just nothing now? Or is it still, you know, a, kind of a cool thing every time you go over it? Uh, in terms of the majesty and yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't really go away. It's, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful, you know, when the, when the lighting's right and you're not in the fog, it's, it's yeah, it's amazing. That's, I, we always laugh at the, the tourists that come from all over the world, not at them, but, uh, feel sorry for them when they, when they come into town from China or wherever else and they've got whatever, three days to get on a, you know, open bus and they go across a bridge and it's just completely socked in and they just can't see two feet in front of their face. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, we, we've been, last couple of years, we've uh, had some really great weather, unfortunately, for, for fire and, and drought purposes, as I'm sure you've heard the news of that. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's still, still amazing. One of my favorite um, memories of going to San Francisco, I, I've done some corporate events there um, and I think it was the Fairmont downtown had this little, this club was called the, the Tiki room or something like that. And I had this floating <clears> stage, um, w with a boat. Do you know the place I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember going there one night and it was just like, oh my gosh, I left there, you know, feeling way different than I did. <laughs> but oh, it was yeah. such a cool room. We had so much fun in that room. And I don't know. Every time I think of San San Francisco, I think of that place. Um, I don't. I don't think someone told me it's not there anymore. Or, um, it, yeah, I'm trying to remember the, the exact name of that room. I think it yeah. might have been the Tiki Room. Sounds, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't think it's there anymore, actually. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so, yeah. as far as you as an entertainer, um, singer, and songwriter you kind of fit in more uh, kind of in the rootsy, folky country vibe, what I would probably say. 
Um, is that how you would describe it? Or what's, what's your words for describing? Yeah, I, I think so <clears throat> in terms of my, yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would say that I do a lot of different styles of music that, you know, <clears throat> when I make a record that's in that <clears throat> realm and usually my stuff that's, that I release under my name is definitely, there's definitely elements of rock in there, but it's, it's folk, um, Americana, you know, I'd say, I, I always say that my, my rock friends think it's country and my country friends think it's rock, yeah, yeah. but, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, it's in there in that wheelhouse for sure. And, and to be clear, yeah. not country in, in the, um, you know, Toby Keith kind of bro country way that I always try to <laughs> say it's not. Yeah, it's not pop country, right? So yeah, definitely. I think you have to make that distinction. Yeah, yeah, it's weird because nowadays when you say country, you have to really define what that is because it's 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 a pretty wide range. Um, you know, in the '90s, you say country, you know exactly what it is, and and there'd be some older country, but you know, '90s country was still country. Now you say country, it's like, well, okay, that's not really country, or um, it's just turned into whatever it is now um and it's all great i mean for me good music is good music and people like it and people buy it um you know whatever label they put it under um you know i always say when i run into people who are uh a little bit older and they're you know always talking about well country music it's not it's crazy now and, and i said yeah but when you're you were young your parents thought the country you listened to was crazy it's just generational things that happen and but it is really I, I think yeah i think nowadays it's definitely become more corporatized than probably it was in the 90s in terms of you know a lot of countries sounds like modern hip-hop too right they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're blurring the lines and it's, everything's kind of being trying to be funneled into this pop uh, thing more than i've ever seen before but i think in the last couple of years i've seen uh, you know in in nashville things have been changing a little bit back to more the kind of roots Americana stuff I think is, is more popular than now, like Jason Isbell and Andy Shires and, and people like that that just write amazing songs and it's not it's not pop formula but it's still, you know, widely respected and, and they're getting awards for it. So I think I think that's a good sign. You know, any anytime I see a, I just want the music to be authentic, you know, that I listen to and, and um, not that I don't enjoy a good pop song, because I do, and, and some of it is amazing, but um, there's certainly a fair amount that is, you know, <laughs> very formulaic. Yeah, and it's always been, to some degree, you know, country especially has always been pretty formulated, and, you know, you, you get in the studio and you just knock things out really quick, and, um, you know, we want this sound, and it was sounding, you know, these few guys played on every single album, um, and they all started to sound the same and it, and I think it happens to every genre to some extent. That's what I find now is that you get a few bunch of guys who are kind of producing beats for these country songs and, and, mm -hmm. you know, they're all kind of formulating <clears throat> to make it sound cause this really worked. So, um, you know, there's part where I think country has a wider audience than it ever has before. Um, and, you know, it brings people in to think of more country artists, even a Chris Stapleton or something like that, who yeah. now, you know, people who think that's really cool, you know, that's a cool vibe. And it's like, well, that's kind of pretty country um, where they don't think that's yeah. country. They just think it's cool. 
Um, like Southern rock yeah. Kind of vibe. Yeah. I, I, what I really like about kind of roots and folk and Americana music is I feel like a song that I wrote in 2009, I could release it today and it wouldn't sound dated. It would just sound like it came from that world. Yeah. And not, not to say that I don't, obviously I definitely evolve as an artist, but in terms of just the aesthetic and, and, you know, the subject matter, I don't think that it's, you, you, you know, I guess maybe some of the sounds, obviously if you look into eighties country or anything, you can hear those, those, um, the mixing and the, and the way that people produce records in those days. But in terms of just having to be exactly current and this is what's happening now, I think that's, that's, something that I've been able to avoid, which has been kind of nice. Yeah. As soon as they start adding uh, drum loops to anything that's Americana, it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's when it goes. Yeah. That goes to, then it just becomes defined as something else. Right? <laughs> um, so how did you actually get started in um, music? I know you, really didn't start songwriting until you were in your 20s. Um, you played guitar earlier than that, did you? Yeah, I started playing guitar guitar pretty young, and I always, you know, my mom would, was always singing around the house, so I sang, you know, harmonies with her a lot. And then when I started getting into bands in my, you know, mid to late teens, then I would, you know, be one of two or the only guitar player, and then I would sing a lot of um harmonies with the lead singer so I was in bands doing that and doing some touring and stuff and then I just um <clears throat> my brother who was one of my inspirations like we had a, we had different moms he's my half brother but when he had moved to the bay area uh you know he I wasn't as motivated to to like make something out of it I was probably 13 he's like you need to do this and so I kind of credit him as keeping me on the path and, and when he passed away uh he, he died in 98 that was sort of like a, uh, you know, I, I think I got started as a solo artist partially because of that, because I, um, we have a, a hereditary kidney disease that my dad also passed away from in 2015 called polycystic kidney disease. And um, my brother had a, a brain aneurysm and just like that. And my dad was more, you know, he had a transplant, but it was a long kind of drawn out process. Um, but I, the first record that I released was called Confessional and it came out in 2004. But the impetus for that was I wrote a song about, about my brother and, you know, and it was sort of this really um, cathartic kind of release of emotion and stuff. And then after that, I, I just, I really liked being in that position. I had, I had worked with, you know, some ego front men in the past and I knew how as a band member, I like to be treated. So yeah. I try to, you know, pass that along to people that, that play with me. And I just, kind of never look back. I mean, I still freelance and do, you know, play in, in other groups and things, but I've, my primary focus has been my own work since about that time, since about 2005 and on. So it's been great. Yeah. So, so song writing after your, your brother had passed away, obviously that, you know, obviously a tr pretty tragic time. And, and did it, did that seem to really help you kind of get through things? Um, obviously, you know, it's sometimes yeah. hard to talk to people. Sometimes it's just easy to write things down and express yourself a certain way. And uh, how did that help you um, with all that? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I was feeling a little, you know, I think you know, always hear everybody grieves in different ways, but I think I was probably feeling some guilt because I hadn't, you know, I didn't, I wasn't bawling my eyes out for, you know, I just feel like I hadn't, I felt guilty that I hadn't uh, sort of, 
grieved enough. And I think um, writing it down in words and kind of getting that out there. I mean, I'd always written songs musically, you know, <clears throat> coming up with um, most of the music for some of the bands I'd play, but never put words to it. So kind of had the <clears throat> the uh, musical side of that already in place. And it was just a matter of getting to writing lyrics. And I, um, you know, I, I'd always written in high school and college, I wrote long form, you know, stories and essays and things that I had never, the challenge was to then try to condense that down into, you know, very short lines, which was the, the first hurdle that I had kind of had to get through. So yeah, first, that first record was, you know, largely about my own experience. And then kind of, as I went forward, then I, I started, you know, just telling stories and writing about other people's experiences and, um, and, you know, just keep trying to evolve. When you were younger, read that you obviously you moved a lot. Um, <laughs> it was like yes, a, I, I read that. It was like holy smokes. Um, yeah. How many times did you move? What were the, what's the stats on that? I, I can't remember. Exactly. I, geez, I, was like, I mean, I was I was pretty young for a lot of it. Um, like ten different schools you know, in twelve different years. Yeah, I mean, it's probably. My mom corrects me and says it was like seven different schools, but I basically spent the first half of my life with my mom and stepdad. And then, I mean, not my, my life, but my, you know, childhood. My childhood. Yeah. And then uh, moved to the Bay Area when I was about 12 um, with my dad and stepmom. So before that time, I had, we moved a lot. We lived in, you know, Humboldt County in, in upper Northern California. We lived in Hawaii. We lived in um, the Monterey Bay Area and, um, and a couple other places, but just, not only moving to different cities, but just, you know, moving houses a lot between and or different areas of the city where I'd have to go to a different school or, or you know, yeah. so it was, um, I think, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of people talk about how you always do the opposite of what your parents do. So my, <clears throat> both my parents were, you know, obviously came from the civil rights movement and, and growing up in the same house for 20 years or, or whatever. And then they wanted to be out there moving around. And, and for me, it, you know, just being in one place and having a, a, a solid stable home base was like crucial, even though I tour a lot and I, I travel around, it's like always having this place to come back to is really nice. And I think that's, you know, that, that reactionary kind of thing but from your childhood that you move, you, you're, you gravitate towards. Yeah. And it makes it tough, especially when you're moving like that, to have, you know, friends that you have for a long time or, you know, there's my, you know, my buddy I went to school with for 15 years, something like that. It's always changing. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, you know, I, obviously I think all those experiences make you who you are. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I always think it's whatever works, works. And whatever happens, happens. This is how you adapt as a person to, um, and deal with that when you get older. Um, it doesn't mean that staying in one place is actually the right thing to do. It's just what everyone else does. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I, I, I call it being a hippie military brat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what made you, uh, pick up the guitar? Um, what was the driving force for that? I think, I think my dad probably was, you know, when I was maybe two or something, he was always strumming a guitar. And, uh, I think that was kind of what got me into it. And then I took some scattered lessons in you know, my early childhood. And then really when I was about 12 or something, like, uh, came to the Bay area, I, I 
kind of hunkered down a little bit more and, and started studying more and just being self more self-taught. But <clears throat> the other thing that happened too was that I had been, you know, listening to all kinds of music growing up, uh, depending on where we live, the radio stations were playing different things, but I really got exposed to a lot of different kinds of music when I got into the Bay area, but, you know, especially, um, hip hop and, and funk and, and that kind of stuff, which I, which I love. Yeah. And, um, I'm just, I'm not, I don't discriminate. I listen to everything. And I also <clears throat> kind of write in every style as well. So I've got <clears throat> records that I haven't released that <laughs> probably won't come out under my name because they'll be so confusing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it just kind of opened up, you know, a whole, whole different uh, world when I moved to the Bay area and, and also the multiculturalism and, and um, uh, yeah, so it, it was definitely great to be in one one place for a while, yeah. um, but uh, you know I wouldn't take back anything from from before that either. So you know, like you say, you are who you are and what your experiences are. So yeah. So being in the realm of Americana, rock, country, what we kind of mentioned before, a mix of all that stuff. Um, does that what type of challenge is that for you as signaling yourself out as an artist how do you um you know because you're not really saying i mean we all know that that market is not um it's not like country now or it's not like pop now where it's super super popular it's a little more more niche to some degree um how do you approach that when you're trying to promote yourself and get yourself out there what's what's your approach on that i think the biggest challenge for me is that you know a lot of the people that i know um from the music scene of the bay area there's a lot of people who, who play that style as well but then there's an even larger number who are into um you know indie rock or um soul or, or that so when i put my music out there for the people that i directly know locally i a lot of them don't listen to this kind of music, so maybe they'll they won't necessarily get into it in the same way. So I think it's all about finding your audience and you know wherever they are. And, and I think it's actually you know obvious a niche is a great thing, right? Because you know who who you're trying to target. It's not just this big wide. And like, Here it is. Hopefully yeah. somebody from you know you know there's a a, a dedicated group of, of fans who listen to this kind of music that that are all over the place. And I noticed that when I'm touring and. Um, so I, you know, it's a little, I, it's a little, um, in terms of just promoting it locally, I, I just have to try to be narrow in who I'm trying to uh, appeal to. And, you know, I think to a degree, everybody likes good music, no matter what the style is. So, uh, you know, it's just, as we were talking about a little bit about before the, we, we started recording here that, you know, the music scene in general, and I'm sure across the country, this is, this is true. It's, it's harder and harder for for bands to make money and and to to uh, draw at at venues versus cover bands or tribute bands or you know yeah. DJs, it's just a it's a much more competitive market. So I just try to be really selective at when I play live, especially with a full band, so that, that uh, it makes sense and that, you know I'm not <clears throat> losing my shirt every time. Yeah. But I do when I tour, it's usually by myself or with uh, you know another singer-songwriter or someone who backs me up just because it's efficient and still gets the, the songs across. And 
you only have to look for one, <laughs> maybe one room to stay in as opposed to five or whatever. Yeah, um, that all makes a difference. It all adds up after a bunch of weeks away. It's those, a lot of people don't think of those expenses when you go, hey, you're traveling. That's really cool. You're going to go there. And, but, you know, it, it's a lot of stress um, dealing with those things. It's, and it's not as if, the you know venues have really gotten behind paying a lot more money than they used to even from 20 years ago it hasn't really changed a whole lot um you know it's pretty well kind of somewhat stayed the same um but yeah i would say that i'd say that it changed a little bit just in terms of people's habits i don't think i think 20 years ago especially 30 years ago you know on the weekend it wasn't are you going to go see a show? It's who are you going to see, right? It wasn't, yeah. you know, there, was, there was no Netflix and chill. There was no, you know, a million different entertainment options at your fingertips without leaving the house. So I think that's generationally, that's a challenge that we're all kind of trying to, you know, struggling with. And I think as soon as people really are exposed to great live music and they start to see it and it becomes a, a habit, then that's, that's great. And that's what we want more of. Um, there's so much of it is just YouTube and online now that I think you you really have to sell the idea of it's really different when you're in person seeing a live show. And so yeah, it's going um, to be interesting to see how th- this all comes back um, after COVID and everyone kind of you know feels 100 percent for going every place again. Because um, obviously, you know, we were talking too. There's there's less places to play. There's a lot of places have closed down. Um, and there's a lot more to close down, um, which means less places to perform at. Um, and you know, what's the dollar figure going to look like? You know, our, our venues well, yeah, really want to just because the venues have closed doesn't mean that the, that the quantity of bands has gone down at all. No. Right? So we'll all be, we'll all be competing for the same scraps and, and you know, it's really going to come down to you know, how, what, what does the door look like? You know, is there, are you going to have to, are, are they going to come back when there's still social distancing and you're playing a 300 capacity room with 50 people standing six feet apart? Are you going to, you know, how does that all um, logistically work out? And I think that's a big question mark that we all have. Yeah. And um, so we'll see, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, I don't <clears throat> rely on, on live shows in terms of, at least not with my, my own stuff or for my income. It's more, you know, as a lot of, artists are it's just for promotion and exposure and, and trying to gain new fans and <clears throat> so my my livelihood is not as attached to that um with my original music but um you know the flip side of that is that we're, we're doing this and i can <clears throat> you know promote my, my record online in a way that i couldn't have 20 years ago and and just try to find those people that you know i'm really i'm not interested in selling this to my 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 friends I'm, i want to know you know, I, I'm looking for people who I've, are strangers that are going to be that don't know anything about me to to discover the music because that's what should come first. So, um, and that's where the you know that's where the touring comes in, and then then again you're faced with the the venue dilemma. So yeah, we, we'll see. I'm hoping that it doesn't adjust um, payment for artists too much. I think it's going to on the top end. Um, you know the guys who are getting a million, million point five per show and all that stuff. Um, to some degree, I think that 
laying out those large numbers is going to go down, um, especially off the top. Um, I guess it just the money is not going to be over there to do that. Some artists will still be able to do it, but I think it's going to get chopped quite a bit. But I'm hoping that doesn't happen on the bottom end because there's or mid range down because uh, there's not a lot of room to move there already. So you know yeah. what I mean? No, there's not. So and I think, yeah, just like in, in any any business environment, when there's you know a downturn, then the people with money are able to invest and, and take advantage of of those things. So as we were talking about earlier you know, the, the mom and pop venues, those are the ones that are the most friendly to people like me who, who I have a relationship with, who I've played their venue any number of times and, and um, where there's not as much red tape and, you know, it, the pressure is, is on me, but it's not the same, you know, the corporate venues who have been bought up by say one guy who just saw all these venues going over and or going under and bought 20 venues and, Maybe he's at a label and he sends his label bands through there. Then it just makes it even before the pandemic that was starting to happen in San Francisco quite a bit where yeah. it's like, okay, this, this huge company just put this venue that's been in play, you know, around for 30 years, they just came in and cleaned house. And now they've got, you know, I can't get a call back or an email when I used to get one the same day from the venue. So it's, it's you know, money is, is, is corrupting and, and I'm hoping that um, somehow enough independent venues are able to, to hang in there to create a space for people like me to still travel around the country or, or even in my own area to play play the shows we want to play. Yeah. Uh, and I think the good thing is that you can go out as yourself or you and one other person um, and do your thing. And that's going to be really important, especially at the beginning of ramping this all back up, because that's going to be something that's easy for a venue to look at um, and say, okay, this is an easy setup. It's compact. We can make this work as opposed to, okay, we have two buses and a bunch of crew and we yeah. have to have catering and, and all that. That's, that's going to be slower getting going. So I always say anyone that has a show or an act or, or, or a solo career or anything like that, that's, that's, can that can travel, yeah, lightly, uh, and make it work. Um, I think are going to be a really good place because uh, you know people really want to see stuff, and it's a safe place to start and get things rolling. Yeah. So I think it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I feel like my songs are definitely at their best when they when I've got a band with me, but um, <clears throat> that's not always a reality, right? Yep. So, yeah. So, so what's it like going to? see you in concert um what what is that experience like what type of thing do what type of vibe or what type of thing do you usually bring to a show if you want to come see you it really depends on the, the type of event you know I, I when i tour I, I try to have house concerts everywhere you know in almost every city that i'll play in just because that's the most intimate way to connect with people and it's usually you know a good way to make money because people are appreciative and it's in someone's <clears throat> you know, remodeled garage or in a big living room and, and you can really just hear a pin drop and tell the story of the song. That's, I, I really love that vibe, especially if I'm it's just me and one or two other people. Yeah. And it's a, if it's a venue that's, um, you know, raucous, then I'll obviously change my set and it'll be much more <clears throat> upbeat and I'll probably be throwing covers in there. Uh, a lot of times, you know, 
some of the venues I've played, they want two, you know, 45 or hour long sets. If it's just me. So I've got to cycle some coverage and then I want to keep their attention because they don't know who I am and they're just hearing songs they've never heard the whole night. It's, yeah. it's harder to keep the attention. But in general, I just think, um, I just really try to connect through the kind of emotional content of, of all the songs. Some of them are, are very upbeat. Um, my latest record isn't as, as probably raucous as some of the previous ones. It definitely has some songs that are like that, but uh, I'm all, all about the story and just, you know, connecting with the crowd. And if it's, if they want to dance, I'm, I'm trying to make that happen as much as they can too. Yeah. And as far as recording, um, how do you approach that as being in the market you're in? Um, are you interested in getting a record label, um, going that approach? Um, is that really high in your, your, not especially, no. I don't, I don't know that any, for anybody it's really that crucial anymore. And I, you know, I just, to me, I always just see some scenario in which I, either lose some piece of my art or, you know, I've already got such a big, usually they don't look at you until you've got a giant following. And then it really just comes down to you're using them for distribution or, you, you know, or maybe some sort of tour support, but I'm not, um, I'm not opposed to it, but I, I it's certainly not high on my list of must haves. I don't think it's as crucial as it used to be by any means. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that has all changed a lot and it's changed a lot just since COVID happened where um, I think there's been even more people who have decided, Oh, I've got this extra time to do this extra promotion or be able to do my own shows here on live. And, and they're discovering, Oh, I've got a whole new other audience here and a new way to get people to see who I am. Um, and it can really work. I mean, but it's a lot of work. And, um, it's like anything when you see someone, become a star right away and you just think it happened overnight um yeah. you know it doing all the online stuff um trying to promote yourself that way too uh, it really opens yourself up but it's a lot of work i mean you have to you have to stay on it all the time yeah it's all about consistency for sure and you don't want to you know for me i know a lot of the people that are seeing the stuff that i'm promoting are people that already know who i am and i don't want to like bombard people but i feel like you know the, the goal is that i'm trying to get it from people who have never heard it before and if that means having some repeat uh you know people who keep seeing the same thing from me then so be it but yeah, yeah i definitely during this time it's i haven't done a lot of online performance i'm not i mean i've done a couple of uh events where i've, I've played to you know a, a corporate event where i'm playing songs for 100 people on a on a zoom call, but the quality is just so yeah. inconsistent and hard to, you know, I could, at the end, I thought I, one of the ones that I did, I thought it was great. And then people were like, Oh, we love what we could hear. But on our end, it was, you know, cutting out every other word. And I'm just, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> I'm not a, and I'm certainly not going to be the guy who you every other day you see with a little Venmo thing down there, just in front of the screen desperately. Try, and I don't hold that against those people, but I, I don't want to, to me, that's just watering it down. I, I'd rather make each event that I do be somewhat of a special or, a, you know, a, something that is, is rare as opposed to, oh, yeah, that guy's just always on there strumming and singing songs. I mean, yeah. not, again, I don't hold against anybody, but that's that's not been my approach. Yeah, and I the other 
issue that's really tough now for people like us who are in the music industry and, and, and trying to work those angles now that you can't get out. I'm really finding the restrictions on who gets to see your stuff and who doesn't get to see your stuff is tightening up more and more all the time. And I don't know, I, I, there's got to be something that gets fixed there. Um, you know, I don't see how that's right. Obviously, you know, platforms like Facebook and Instagram, all those places, they, it's private businesses and they, they can do what they want to do with their platform. But, but I've, I've really, I'm not sure if you've seen this, but I've really seen just even personal feeds where I, I all of a sudden someone popped up on my feed yesterday and I totally forgot about them. But then I, I thought, oh, I used to see their stuff all the time. Um, Who's an artist? Yeah. And they used to just, you know, you used to be seeing this stuff. And all of a sudden, it just kind of stopped one day. But you didn't really notice, notice it because there's so much stuff. And then a month later, they pop up again. Oh, I'm thinking, oh, have they have not been doing anything? So I decided, oh, let me just take a look. And it's like, no, they've been doing posting stuff every day. But for some reason, some algorithm decided... I'm not going to send this to Darren anymore. Um, and maybe a month later, I'll th- throw him something. And, and well, they've, be- got a, uh, they've got a Facebook business page. None of their friends are really seeing, you know, it's, it's like you were saying, personal pages, you share stuff. That, there's, there's little things that are, you know, if you've got a, a photo that doesn't have a lot of text on it, it's more likely to, to get out there because it's less likely to be promotional, et cetera, and yeah. personal stuff. But uh, when it comes to the, you know, the music or the, the business page, all of that is, is on, it's on lock. Like you can't escape that unless you're really paying to promote, you know, just like we, and then you on Instagram, you just, you fall into the same category as like a skincare company that's trying to push their latest thing. You know, you're just another ad in, in the, in the matrix there, but you know, that's, <clears throat> they've monetized it and, and it's, that's how it works, uh, unfortunately. And I think, you know, there is still somewhat of a natural um, viral thing that can happen if it's yeah. something that's really, you know, everybody starts to pay attention to, then it will pick up steam. But I, I certainly see a lot of stuff that I don't think is very good popping up a lot just because there's, you know, a lot of money behind it. And, uh, you know, after a while, maybe not music stuff per se, but even if it's something that I was interested in, I'll just hide the ad because it's just, constant and, and i yeah it's, it's another marketplace just like anything else right the, the money speaks yeah and, and you hate when you're searching around you you hate to look at something that you know you don't have a whole lot of interest in but you may want to see what's going on because all of a sudden you're you know you might look at i don't know treats for your dog or something like that and just because something, oh, that look, I wonder if they're, you know, and all of a sudden you just get bombarded for the next two weeks yeah. with dog yeah. stuff. <laughs> so like, yeah. You know, you wish you had a way to say, no, I don't want to look at this without you realizing I'm looking at this. And, and uh, I think for some things, it's great for things you have a real interest in. Um, but you're. I don't know about you, but I've heard, I mean, personally, I've seen you know, my wife say something obscure about a product. Just speak it in the house. And, you know, either, I don't know if Alexa's active or if it's an iPhone thing that's happening, but I swear, multi, and I've heard this from multiple people, that, you know, you're just, you're talking about something and then 
their, their ears listening. And then all of a sudden you get an ad for something super obscure that there's no way that would have come up. Had you not been talking about aardvarks or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. It's, it's really random. Yeah. I hear but, that a lot. Uh, People say, yeah, I was talking about something all of a sudden there an ad pops up for that. And, and you know, you just don't know if those are after, you know, so many millions of whatever it happens to be just circumstance or if, it actually happens. Um, it would be fascinating yeah. to know if it actually happens because that'd be, I think people would really, really freak out if that was the case. Um, you know. oh, I don't know if you've seen the, have you seen the social dilemma? Yeah. Yeah. I watched that. Yeah. <laughs> it's scary. I mean, it's yeah. true. You can see everything that they talk about. You can see follow through on, on your own personal stuff. It's like, yeah, you kind of know what's happening. Um, but when you really think about why it's happening and how it's happening, how they're really trying to, you know, figure out your next move and everything's about that. It's, um, well, I think it's great if you're, if you happen to be in an industry or something where you can just be like, you know what, I'm done with Facebook. I'm going to, you know, I'll, I'm not going to cancel my account, but if I want to go see what my friends are doing, but I'm just not going to be on there. I'd love if that was the case. I, I, I want nothing to do with it in terms of just like the endless scrolling and, and but I feel like you know if if the band that you love is playing at an awful venue that you hate but that's the only place where music is, is happening you're going to go to that venue and the same thing is true with with the, the social media that's where everybody's hanging out so if you if you want to be involved with that you have to you have to be there and it's just a necessary evil unfortunately yeah and it's gotten to a point to where you got to be really, really super careful what you say, um, what you do, what you comment on. Um, and especially as an artist, uh, yeah, even, even an artist who is super famous now can make a comment and where before it would be while they're famous and that's no problem. Now you can say the wrong thing and your, your career's Canceled. over. Yeah. 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 And you, you really have to, it's almost as if there should be, and I've thought about this several times, that there should be some type of course, especially for people in the music industry, of what you should say, what you shouldn't do, um, posts you should do, or, or have a company that you can send your, here's my site, or here's my Facebook page, um, you know, what, what am I doing wrong or what am I doing right? Um, and I think it's just, it comes down to just as simple as, you know, think before you speak, like if you're bothering to type something that, you know, if you don't look at it like two or three times before you hit post and you're, you're already making a mistake, yeah. right? You have to just look at it from the, you know, the worst case scenario. How is, who is going to get offended by this? How is this going to, you know, is this going to, you know, turn into something much bigger than I'm intending it to be because it's a joke. Because I like, you know, I'm a, I, I live for comedy, so I, I want to say funny stuff all the time. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's, you know, maybe it's racy or someone's going to take, you know, take it out of context. So then I'm, I you know, I, then I tend to not, right? So yeah, uh, yeah. Especially I'm, I'm a sarcastic humor all the time. Right. And that yeah, just doesn't that doesn't always go across <laughs> great when you're you don't have inflection behind it or Right, no context. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. I, I once uh a few years ago, I don't know if you saw this, it was uh 
it was an article or it was something where it was Jerry Seinfeld and uh, Larry the Cable Guy and Chris Rock were all talking. And they obviously the three of them have very different styles of comedy, <clears throat> but they were all saying, you know, we don't play colleges anymore because when we come in, if Jerry Seinfeld is too like wild for, for a, a college campus, you know, but they don't do it anymore because they would get these angry letters from a, you know, a, a 20 year old, you know, triggered someone who just, Oh, I was so offended by that. And then have to deal with like this fallout. <clears throat> and also for the same reason they don't do, you know, you used to be able to go to a comedy club and, and try out all your new, new material before you take it out on the road or make your comedy special. But now with YouTube and social media, it's out there. You know, that's why you see someone like um, Dave Chappelle or somewhere your phone is just put into a bag at the beginning of the show. So yeah. that you're not, you know, broadcasting live streaming on Facebook, their, their material. So, I think it's a little different for music. <clears throat> Obviously, we want people to, to hear it, but um, you know, it's a different landscape for sure. Yeah. So when you tour now, or obviously when touring's really happening, um, what what type of venues do you typically go to, and what type of venues do you prefer to play? I actually prefer. I mean, I, I don't mind. Sometimes I'll do. I'll be traveling as a festival where I can be a solo you know, act. And then there's a, a band before me and band after me just for the size of the crowd and trying, you know, that's, that's always fun. But usually I try to focus on places that I know people go to like listening rooms. You know, that's my goal. I don't want to be at a loud bar at, you know, 1130 at night doing a, a solo set or, you know, an acoustic duo set. Yeah. So I'm looking for you know, house concerts of 20 to 40 people or, or a venue that's really well known for, you know, listening to songwriters, that, that kind of thing. Because that's what I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 99% of my set is usually original material in that context. So I want to, yeah. you know, go to places where people are looking for that. So sometimes that can be a venue that's larger. And if it's, you know, an area that I know a lot of people or that I've got some sort of small following, then that, that's okay. But typically it's, it's trying to play places that I haven't been before. And, and, uh, Last actually tour of, of the big size was just before my uh, I had a kidney transplant in 2015, and uh, I knew that I was with the disease that I had that it was going to happen probably at some point. I could always see my numbers, and and I went on <clears throat> this big kind of up through the Pacific Northwest and down through Yellowstone and Utah and all these places, and I, I was in the ER a couple times on that on that trip with um, or once actually on that trip with uh, kidney pain and, and issues. And then when I got back, it was like, okay, now we're going to have, you You know, you're, you're ready to either go on dialysis or, or get a transplant. And luckily, amazingly, my wife was a really good match. So I was able to, to uh, not have to go through dialysis and be on some lengthy waiting list. Yeah. But that was the last time that I believe really gone out and spent some considerable time on the road. I've gone back and forth to New York a couple of times um, and played out there. I've got some, a little bit of attraction there and a lot of friends that I can stay with and stuff. So that's, that's been fun, but I do look forward to when things return and we can just go out there without being worried about dying <laughs> every yeah. day. So uh, are you, uh, obviously you must be in a much better place health wise. Is that the transplant yeah. work? Well, yeah. Yep. It was successful. Yeah. I'm incredibly blessed for sure. Yeah. I'm but sure. It, of course it has, it has ramifications in terms of, you know, there's so much that that is unknown, and it has been just 
constantly evolving about this virus where here's this rule either the rules or 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 what you know what the complications can be or yeah. so with me with you know being on immunosuppressants uh, i had you know i was obviously being very careful with everything that i did so hopefully if i get vaccinated and and um and get the second round or whatever then i'll, I'll feel a lot more comfortable going out in public but i you know it's, it's not really a discussion that's <clears throat> it's not a not an option at all for me so yeah um, which is makes it easy. I don't even think about it. I'm not like, well, can I do this or can I not? It's just I'm not I'm not doing anything that that could potentially put me at risk. But. Yeah, I guess it does make it easier, right? Where you just it just this is it. Um, yeah. And you know that's just just the way it is, and um, you know it's probably a way better place or better you know probably for everybody in your family. Just kind of like this is the way it's going to be, and. And it just, yep. you feel way safer about it. Back to arranging the song I'm working on. <laughs> yeah. So you, you got, know, or remote recording or, or whatever we're doing, you know, that I've been working on a, another record actually during this whole time as well. That yeah. um, it's very different, a completely different side project, but it's been, I recorded, I think three songs on bass and drums before the thing got started or <clears throat> before the, the pandemic hit. And then, everything after that now has been remote and it's just been as all musicians know, it's just been a whole, I mean, I've, I've exchanged tracks with people before I've done entire songs remotely before on my um, last full length record. I did that on one song and it was great. It was as an, not as an experiment, but there were people in different places that I wanted to use, but having to do like 11 songs or eight songs, I guess that the first three I didn't have to do that with has been, um, it's been great, but it's been really challenging just to, you know, something that would take you 10 minutes in the studio with a back and forth if I'm, you know, have a background vocalist that I'm working with or whatever, having to wait until I receive a take back and, you know, just play this game. And then what kind of equipment are you using? Why does it sound this way? And when are you, you know, just trying to line up schedules. It's, it's been um, logistically really challenging, but it's been great that it's possible because if, it, you know, if that wasn't a thing, this record wouldn't be, you know, this one wouldn't be done. <clears throat> the one I'm working on wouldn't be in where it state that it's at, but it's definitely made me miss the process of, of going into the studio. And, you know, I've always recorded some tracks at home and I certainly with my studio now, I can do a lot more than that, but yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call myself a, a you know professional grade engineer by any stretch so i'm i'm always um, looking to use people who do what they do best and i can't really do that right now um but that, that's fine it'll come back and yeah. just having this time that we've had over the last year to to explore all this stuff has been uh, you know obviously <clears throat> really bad for for all kinds of reasons but <clears throat> it's been a blessing in some ways for sure yeah uh it, it is interesting doing a lot of re I'm doing a lot of remote recording here at my studio and and it's great and it works um but it's you got to give yourself time I mean it's not it's like usually you have you know okay we got a session in a couple of weeks and you go in and you lay a bunch of bed tracks down and you just start rolling <laughs> and you know bring a couple overdubs and it just kind of rolls now it's like hey you got to send it to this person and then you wait for that person and then you got to send it to the next person after that. You wait for them. Um, it, you know, it's a time process. Um, but, it you know, it, it gets done and it's totally doable. And, um, it, you know, it's it's work. But it's, it's I, I think there's going to be, you know, definitely with the recording end of things, uh, still, once again, it, it's going to change a bit. I think there's 
an option now where you never really thought about hiring a, a musician to many extents that who's lives 2000 miles away you get you know guys in your area or whoever that you're used to but now you kind of have this choice of of being able to do remote recordings and this kind of opens your mind about who you can get um and who will play on your project and and so um i think there's part of me that thinking that yeah you know it's gonna be nice to be back in the studio again but i i think there's gonna be still it's going to be down a good chunk of percentage of people are going to still maybe just go and lay some bed tracks down or, or do something quick that they need to really do and really experiment and kind of work with some people from anywhere in the world. They can get to play on their project. Um, it's always been, like yeah, I said, it's me, always been available, but yeah, you just kind of never really thought about it as much as just being able to go into the studio. Now you're forced to do it. It, it kind of, there's just some things that actually, yeah, I really like having that option of having this guy that I don't have to fly here into a session. And, 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 and to be clear that the talent level is uh, on the other side of things and their capacity to record quality audio are not the same thing, right? So you could have somebody yep. who's just a virtuoso who sends you something that just doesn't sound very good you know, miking wise or whatever is going on. So, you know, that, that's been a learning curve too. Like, okay, well, I, I played with this guy live before, but I didn't know that he, you know, didn't have a very good system to record at home or, or whatever. I mean, with my latest record I had at the end of 2019, I had about um, eight of these, you know, seven of these songs were not complete, but most of the main tracks were down. So it was just a matter of just sprinkling the last bits and mixing and then the additional three tracks I recorded entirely at home and then just sent out for drums. You know, so I sang everything, played all the instruments and then, um, had a couple of friends who, you know, were able to remotely uh, put down drums and it, it came out great. I mean, it, <clears throat> I can tell the difference probably between the two just because there are different studios and whatnot, but I, I'm really happy with being able to finish it that way. Cause otherwise it would just be a seven song album instead of a 10 song album. So, yeah. That, that was that was great. So, what what are your plans if you look further down the road over the next year? Someone who likes to plan year two. I mean, it's harder now, but um, you know, do a five year plan on where you want to be and what you want to do. Do you do you look that far down the road? Yeah, I, I'm always looking. To, yeah, I'm, my my main goal is just to to be able to support myself with the original music to be able to you know be getting you know, obviously the, the Selling of music is another thing that is entirely an industry that has almost disappeared in terms of, you know, I know that people are going to be able to get my record on Spotify as soon as it comes out. I mean, the last uh, EP that I put out, I sort of withheld it from the streaming platforms in hopes that people would pay for it. But, you know, who has a CD player? Who, who has the capacity to download MP3s and somehow get them into a place where they can take them mobile? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's gone in this direction that, is not um, not conducive to making money selling your product. So you have to, you know, you have to monetize it in other ways, either by touring and selling CDs or, or I'm actually pressing vinyl on this one for the first time, which is going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, selling those at shows, selling merch, you know, giving private lessons, whatever it might be. But I know I always supported myself, at least for the last maybe 15 years or so uh, with music alone. But in terms of not having to take shows or corporate events that I don't want to do, 
yeah. would be nice, you know, just to be able to rely solely on the, on the work that I'm doing. And that includes songwriting for other people or having other artists cover my songs. Um, that that's what I want to mostly be focused on and, and be able to just spend my time doing as opposed to, Hey, there's a pandemic. Now I can really focus on it. I want to be able to focus on it all the time. Yeah. And um, I think when I do, do have the opportunity to do that, I'm very productive. So I just want to keep that going, you know, going forward and in terms of touring and booking and everything else I, I've been through, I'm in a couple different other bands where <clears throat> I don't do the booking and I've just watched my calendar go, you know, they push it out here and I'm like, that's not going to happen. And sure enough, then it gets pushed out again. So I'm, <clears throat> I'm not really looking to book anything right now until we have a better idea what that landscape's going to look like and what venues are, are, are open or how comfortable are people actually attending events, you know? So I think when we know that, then we can all, and then it's just going to be insanity. Everybody, <laughs> everybody's going to be going for it, trying to you know book a bunch of shows because they know that people are really hungry for loud music. I mean, I, I was uh, in the first few months of the pandemic, I was playing um, out on my porch and just set up a PA and, and sit there for a couple hours and people would come out into the cul-de-sac from all over the neighborhood and sort of, you know, hopefully socially distanced. I didn't have as much control, but, um, and it was great. I mean, people were, I didn't even ask for money, but people were Venmoing me and it was, it was a great, cause they were, but, they were very hungry for music because they had not gone to see a live show in, in a while. And, and um, yeah. so I, I understand the power of, of live music and original music. And, and I want to, you know, just stay focused on it. Yeah, it's great. And I, and I hope you're right with, with everyone wanting to come right back. The scary thing is, is that everyone does want to start all at once. Um, <laughs> and, that's not a good way to roll out because <laughs> there's going to be some people who, who really do well and others it's going to be difficult or else it's just going to get spread thin for everybody because everyone's starting at the starting gate all at the same time. Um, it's going to be interesting how that kind of just kind of rolls open. Um, it, lots of those things are going to be interesting to see how, how that happens and, and uh, how it rolls out. But hopefully, you know, all, all good. Um, I think most, for the most part, I think people have been releasing all their music regardless of being able to play shows, at least on the smaller yeah. level. Maybe the, the major artists have been, some of them have held back. And then others have been wildly successful releasing stuff during the pandemic. You know, um, Paul McCartney and Taylor Swift or uh, other people that are big artists. I mean, it, it helps if you're a huge artist, but just the fact that you don't have to tour in, in support of those things. Both of those artists tour like crazy, right? So. Yeah. The fact that they had as much success during the pandemic, it's we're, we're all in it together. So if that's your only option to consume music during that time. But I think there was a lot of artists who were just like, nope, I'm, I'm pushing back the release of my record. And I don't know if that was necessarily the smartest thing because, you know, you could be looking at a year and a half, two years, and then you're, you've already probably made a couple more records, right, during that time. So yeah. that's why I, I wanted to get this out. Um, mine's coming out on uh, March 5th. Uh, yeah, March which fifth, three, five. And I just wanted to get it out there because it's, I feel like, you know, a record is sort of a timestamp of where you were, what you were doing during that time. And, yeah. and you know, I don't want to put out a, a pandemic record in 2022. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> so yeah, no, no, that's not going to happen. No, 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 no so, COVID 21. Yeah. What about, uh, 
or you have the the new album coming out. What's the best way for people to check that out and be able to buy that and and see everything that you're doing? Well, it'll you know on, on March 5th it'll be on all the streaming platforms, and then I, I've been using um, and I've always used a local company called Bandcamp. They're located right across the bay from me here, and that's where the the singles are start to be released. So I released uh, the first one's called Woman in My Mind that came out um, a couple weeks ago. And that one, you know, as the tracks, all the tracks are up there, but they're, you can't <clears throat> do anything with them yet. Cause they're all private. And as they, as each single is released, you can, you can, you know, download that single or listen to it or pre-purchase the album for how much $7 to how much you want to spend. Yeah. And then I've also got my, my vinyl is up there. People want to pre-order that, which I'm really, I feel like I have to be like a, <clears throat> you know, just a, a promoter of vinyl in general not not because just i'm making a vinyl record because i think it's just a i mean obviously a lot of people are listening to vinyl now probably way more than they were 10 years ago but i think it's just the idea of a physical product is so um it's just really great for people to be able to look at liner notes and, and not to mention the amazing quality that the vinyl i got a test pressing from my record and i had it you know on my phone and dropbox as well and i've got this little um little kind of micro amp um, uh, amplifier from my record player with, that has a switch on it. And when you flip the switch, then you can use your phone and use Bluetooth, right? Yep. So when the light's blue, so I got, I'm, I'm streaming a song from my phone there through Bluetooth and MP3. And then I flip a little switch and I've got the record on the player. And it's just like, oh, like it's just, there's just no comparison. And you, you know, it's like, like I'm sure you've said this before too. Like we spend thousands of dollars and thousands of hours in a studio listening on great monitors to this amazing mix, and then you got somebody walking down the street with their phone, like going like this. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's a crime. It's a crime that that's, that's, that has to happen. But you know, I'm I'm all about <clears throat> people listening to music in the best. You know, because to me, MP3s are, are decent. Streaming is terrible. To me, streaming is like. Um, a, you know, a low resolution JPEG that you zoomed in on, right? You're, you're taking all these bits and cutting out little pieces and you're, you're really not getting a whole picture. Um, and maybe some people's ears don't notice the difference, but I think whether they consciously realize it or not, I think that, they, that, that music hits them differently when they hear it from a great source, you know, just like seeing yeah. it live when you've just, when you've just seen it on YouTube and you go see a show, it's like, wow, you know, it's the same difference for me. Yeah. Sort of like the white castle of, of music um that's why i love streaming it's sort of like it just kind of dumbs everything down and you know it's still it's still intake right um but you know the vinyl thing is great because it's for me vinyl is a commitment right it's not something that you can leave the room um and finish it up in your car or throw earbuds in and go for a run to listen to vinyl you're sitting down and you're purposely putting on music to listen to, and and that gives you that chance, like you said, to and you, yeah, and you and you have to get in the habit of just every 15, 20 minutes you got to decide or you got to put another record on. And uh, you know, my wife, I always give her a hard time when she comes home. She's running around like, why is it? Why is there no music playing here right now? So now I've got her in the habit of every time she comes home, she's taking a, a record of some sort out and just, just I, we're doing it at random. We're just picking. I've got a lot of records that I haven't even listened to yet that have been given over the years where we're just like, Oh, what's this? So I just, she just pulls one out, puts it on, starts cooking dinner or doing whatever else she's doing. And I come in and I'm like, all right, you know, it's, it's music is such an elixir and it, it's 
sort of like when you walk into a, a dinner party or, or to someone's house where there's a gathering and there's no music playing. It's just like yeah. almost awkward. To yeah. I'm always like, can I, do you mind if I plug my phone in and play some music here? This is a little <laughs> like, Oh, <laughs> and immediately as soon as that music comes on, it's just like, ah, okay. Yeah. This is the, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, alcohol for your ears that loosens everything up. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's wrap up on a couple of questions I'd like to ask everyone. I got a new, actually a new question I'm, I'm throwing in for, for people now, but the one I always like to ask, um, obviously you played a lot of places. Do you have a, uh, any venue or any city or country or any place out there that you've always wanted to do a show at, but you never had a chance to? Wow. I've been very lucky in the Bay Area. Um, I would say, geez. Definitely the most fun to play around here that I that I played the Great American Music Hall in the city. It's amazing. Um, but you know something in some one of the big big venues in New York probably. You know whether it's I don't know there's quite a few yeah. Madison Square Gardens would be pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, Red Rocks Red Rocks in Colorado would be amazing. Um, but those probably those are two that are kind of at the top of the list. Yeah. I think. I, I would say it's some sort of a festival that I've wanted to play, but I, I, you know, that the sound in that situation is not, <laughs> so it's all about the experience. You have so little control of what's going on there, but exactly. I'm always happy to see a, an up and coming artist that I like playing at Madison Square Garden. It's like, oh, awesome. They're doing, you know. Yeah. So Magical. Yeah. And best food experience on the road. Uh, I am a purveyor of uh, burritos, so I'm always, I'm always looking for the next um, best to-go burrito that I can get yeah. out there as I'm traveling. But I, I always like just stumbling into a place where, you know, I think the one that comes to mind is um, I've been out to Austin and played a few times out there and toured around in that area and just walking into a random breakfast spot and getting chilaquiles on a Saturday morning or something that are just amazingly delicious. Those are the, to me, the, the accidentally discovering amazing places to eat is, is probably one of the best things about the road in general. It's like, oh, I mean, you hit a lot of duds, of course, depending yeah. on where you are. <clears throat> Wasn't a lot, not a lot to eat in Idaho that I, that I really loved. It was <laughs> fine, but <laughs> it wasn't yeah. exotic. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's new. I, the food conversations come up quite a bit in the last few podcasts and, and uh, I'm actually thinking about spinning off a podcast on musicians and food because it's, they kind of go hand in hand when you're, you're on the road because the next best experience of actually doing your show is eating. <laughs> and you know, if you're, if you're somebody who doesn't care about health food or, or about what you put it, you know, it's great on the road. You can get, you can eat anywhere, but I don't, I don't typically eat fast food. I don't eat McDonald's. I don't, you know, I, yeah. I like to eat good food and I don't want to spend a ton of money doing it. So sometimes it can be a challenge, right? Yeah. Going through the Pacific Northwest from here or in um, Southern California, there's endless great places to eat. Not a lot between here and, and LA on the, on the five, <laughs> but yeah. You know, you're going through Portland and Seattle and places like that. You always find amazing food, but some places, you know, you're just kind of at a loss. And, and um, but yeah, it's definitely a conversation for sure. You could do that. Yeah. So uh, people to follow you on Facebook and all that. Um, how do they Jesse find you? Jesse Brewster Music. Yeah, yeah. just at, at Jesse Brewster Music on Instagram and Facebook.com/slash Jesse Brewster Music. 
and uh, <clears throat> my website, myname.com, and just uh, yeah, all the all the quality streaming sites that you can listen right. to. All the White Castle uh, sites, known to man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it, it's been uh, great chatting with you, and uh, I wish you all the luck. Uh, and I hope everything just kind of gets rolling there uh, quickly. Get back to playing, and uh, good luck with the new album. Um, and uh, you know, lots of great things to to look forward to. So, good luck with all that stuff, and great having you on Thank the podcast. You. Thanks, I appreciate you for having me on. Much appreciated. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. Uh-huh.